I'm Sherb Chester, and on this edition of the Seacoast Sports Forum podcast, our special guest, Roger Brown from New Hampshire Hardball and NewHampshireFootballReport.com and the union leader. Also, the coach, Bill Taylor. Well, gentlemen, football is evolving, and uh, we have had a big story over the past couple of weeks. The greatest of all time, legend, Bill Belichick, is no longer head coach of the New England Patriots. So what's your take on it, Roger? Were you surprised at all? Uh, no, no. I figured a good chance it was going to happen. Um, so not surprised. Um, not sure I, as a, if I were a Patriot fan, I'm not sure I'd be all that fired up about how things have unfolded, even if you wanted Belichick out. Um, seems like whenever you get owners that meddle in the football part of things, it doesn't go well, it seems like. And I would have thought, <clears throat> well, I know the Crafts learned their lesson with uh, during the Parcells regime, but and it, may, it might not be Robert, but it seems like Jonathan has got his fingers in there a little too much, perhaps. And uh, I, I would be a little worried about th- how things are going to look moving forward. Coach, I'll ask you, what, what was your take? I agree with Roger. I was not surprised, but I was very disappointed. Uh, do I think Belichick, the coach, is the person who's responsible for the decline in the Patriots? No, I don't. Do I think Belichick, the general manager, uh, is responsible for the decline of the Patriots? Yeah, I do. The roster construction obviously wasn't very good. Uh, The only thing, the thing that raises gigantic red flags to me is they haven't hired, they're not going to hire a GM. Uh, it's like they're setting Mayo up to fail. He has enough on his plate, and there are enough people who worked for the Patriots in the past that Kraft is familiar with that, you know, could fill that responsibility. Dimitriov, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, Robinson, uh, Ziegler, there are others. And they have experiences, GM. Mayo should be hung out to dry. One thing I noticed, Coach, is that you've got you've got a a, a, a shift in, in the whole dynamic. It was brought up in the press conference when they introduced uh, Gerard Mayo that the whole philosophy of, of coaching now has changed. And I think that's why they went where they went uh, with a younger guy who has some experience, has been there, done it. And, and he just, he, as he kept saying in the press conference uh, the other day that, you know, he's, he's going to be more of a uh, teacher uh, of the guys that are coming into the game, as opposed to when he came into the game years ago and, you, you had coaches like Bill Belichick who said, do it, and you did it, or bingo, you were out the door. So, I mean, that, that, I could, we've seen that. Roger, 
you've seen that over the years with not only the Patriots and other NFL teams, but even in the college ranks, we saw it at UNH uh, more recently. I mean, the change from Coach Mack to Rick Santos, uh, two eras, two different eras and two different styles of coaching. I like the old way better. Look at the coaching turnover in the NFL. You know, and, and, and you say, I mean, maybe Mayo uh, will turn out to be terrific, but his resume is not great. I mean, he's never been a head coach anywhere, right? Right, right. I mean, he's 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 starting from scratch, literally. I mean, yeah, he's had the experience uh, playing, obviously, but not in a few years being a defensive coordinator. But on the other hand, it, it, it's it is going to be a whole new world. He now is the guy responsible for all the other elements or parts functioning properly. So. And he admitted that. But what one factoid that Bob Kraft came out with during the press conference that in the 24 years that Belichick was the coach of the Patriots, there were 200 and I think 34 different coaching changes in the NFL, and it averaged out to eight per team. <laughs> that was kind of staggering. You know, they the, the you just won't see that again, just like you won't see another Tom Brady again, I, I don't think. Well, you can see it again if owners do the right thing in terms of the coaching, but they're so impatient that, you know, it's a couple of years and you're out the door. Um, but you look at like the Steelers organization, not that they're lighting the world on fire, but they usually win more than they lose and they've won their share of Super Bowls and they have longevity in their coaches. So, Coach, did you see the press conference? I'm not going to judge a coach on a press conference. I think, you know, uh, the, the biggest takeaway is that Mayo is not going to be Bill Belichick redo. He is going to be himself. And he was a former player. He was recent enough as a former player that people can pull up tape on him and know him. And I think that a lot of players will relate to a former player. My thing is, is just because you're old or older doesn't mean that whatever knowledge you have is all of a sudden not worth anything. Bill Belichick, I mean, is probably in our lifetime, I mean, because I go back to Lombardi, you know, is one of the greats. uh, and now you fire him because of a couple of losing seasons. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't agree. I don't think he's lost his mojo in coaching. I would love to see him take another team to the Super Bowl and win it. They tried to make it look like it was amicable, but I don't think it was. Well, I, I, I think that for all intentions, um, they, yeah, you're right, coach. I think you're going to see him heading to another team, uh, post haste, probably <laughs> from the way the Dallas Cowboys finished their season. I think Jerry Jones would like to stick it to Bob Kraft and hire Belichick if he could. And, and, and that's a, that's a team that needs a focus. Let's put it that way. They've got the talent. They just need focus and somebody that will put a little, uh, fear of God into the, into the players themselves and uh, get the best out of them. So whether that's Belichick or not, I don't know. I, that, that is definitely a one or two or three year and out type situation for any coach uh, because Jones is 
just, you know, he's, he's erratic. He just, he wants to run the team and, and he wants results now. Now I, I understand he's got a lot of, a lot of money invested in that team and a lot of pride in the team. I love same thing that the, the crafts do, but it just, it, it, it for some reason, He's so volatile, and, and uh, I, I don't, I don't know if even Bill Belichick could last uh, more than a season or two with the Dallas Cowboys. What do you think, Roger? Well, it doesn't look like he's going to go there. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if he had already turned him down, because you know the Cowboys kind of were silent for a few days, and then I think yesterday they said they were going to, or Schefter reported, Adam Schefter reported they were going to stick with McCarthy. So, I, I mean, my guess is some phone calls were made and maybe Bill said, thanks, but no thanks. You know, I've got other uh, oars in the water, so to speak. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him coach somewhere. And wherever he coaches, I bet you they have a better record than the Patriots next season. That would be my guess. Okay. Well, the game the game of football has evolved, both on the, and the college and, and the pro level. Obviously, it seems to be a young man's game. Uh, coaching wise, you, you have to be able to work with this talent that's coming out of college. We, again, go back to what we've seen at UNH. I mean, uh, that transfer portal is, is a can of worms there. The coaches and, and even one of the, the legends of coaching Saban, who also retired <laughs> the same day that Bill Belichick, uh, packed his bags and left the Patriots, um, they said one of the things he just wasn't good with was that transfer portal. And he was losing a lot of talent in his case to, to other schools. Uh, he was used to walking in and saying, Hey, you know, this is Alabama, come on board. And guys would jump, but now they're being selective. The kids are being selective when it, when it goes to playing. And well, we've seen it again with UNH, uh, Rosemer is going to be playing for Minnesota next year. Uh, you've, you've had a couple of, uh, transfers this past week, right? You mentioned in your, in your column. I just think the transfer portal has got to go. Some, they got to change it. It's going to ruin the game. You know, it's not fair to coach. Yeah. Just who the hell wants yeah. to coach, you know, not knowing what you need next year. And I mean, they, you know, these, these are educators supposedly running uh, this sport and this is what they come up with. I mean, this is embarrassing, you know, and, uh, don't get me started on the opt-outs and the bowl games and all that stuff. Uh, they got a yes. lot to fix, a lot to fix, and it's their own doing. Yeah, it it is sad because uh, money has obviously been a factor in the college game. The changes in conferences, uh, I mean, that alone is, is is confusing enough. So, you know, how many do we have left now? <laughs> good, good question. But they got to start changing the names too. You know, like. You can't have a Big Ten when you've got more than ten teams, and yeah. you can't have a Southeastern Conference when, or the ACC when Cal's in it. You know, yeah. so yeah. <laughs> like I said, they got a lot to change and fix. Yeah. They're ruining the sport. I mean, I'm, I bet you, I don't know, you know, I have no uh, nothing to base this on, but I bet you, if there was no transfer portal, Saban would still be coaching. Yeah, well, that's what they said. They that he was losing a lot of talent because uh, you know kids, if they don't get that crack the first time they're there, bing, they're on that transfer portal or in the transfer portal, and they're gone. So, uh, it, it, when you take a team that's been a dominant team nationally in the college ranks, <laughs> and that coach says, "Hey, I've had enough of this," uh, you know, it's, it, it, the whole game is evolving, and 
I guess the the, the one thing I would say, yeah, you know, well, devolving. I guess you're right too. To some extremes, it is. Um, I will say one thing as a takeaway. I I did have the privilege of going to be an eyewitness to history. The last game that Bill Belichick coached as a as a Patriot and at, uh, at Gillette. I got my first trip to Gillette, courtesy of uh, the state of New Hampshire. <laughs> I won a, a second chance lottery of one of these scratch tickets. And uh, in September, I get a, a note in the mail from them, from the lottery commission saying, congratulations, you've uh, been selected to be one of the winners to go to a luxury seat to a future Patriots game. And, and I go, okay, that's cool. When? Well, that was the question. We didn't have any idea what game it was going to be. And, and, I, and I said to my wife, it's probably going to be the last game of the season. And it's probably going to be a blizzard. Now, this was early on. This is in September or whenever they sent us the vote. And sure enough, <laughs> last game of the season and a blizzard. <laughs> so we're sitting there watching the game. It was like watching it in a snow globe. And uh, and, and I have to admit, I, I, I enjoyed being there. Uh, it was it, it was nicely handled the, the, the way it was all came down. And the best part of it was I got to meet one of my idols and, and coach, one of the fantasy football idols I ever had, James White. And I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to meet the man and, and actually say to him, James, do you know how many fantasy football seasons you say for me? And he says, I've heard that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then I said, could you come back, please? <laughs> he's only 32. I mean, you know, he's better than a lot of talent that was out there. I, and, and this is what bothers me when everybody says, oh, they got to go for a quarterback in the draft. There's no guarantees. I mean, Mac Jones had the pedigree coming out of Alabama. You got to admit that. It just it didn't translate to the NFL. But also, he had no offensive line, really. I mean, he was on his butt more than he was standing up from trying to throw the football. So he was he did have happy feet, no doubt about it. And, and I didn't see anything great out of Bailey Zappi either. And, uh, you know, I, it, it, they need to retool that offensive line. That's, I would say, key number one. And then if they have that first-round draft and they don't trade it away like <laughs> they've done in the past, and that was, a, that was a Bill Belichick thing. You get a high draft pick, trade it down in the draft. I hope they keep it, and I hope they take Marvin Harrison Jr. if they get the shot at him. And that would be the wide receiver they've been wanting. And it does give a target. Uh, it is scary. I mean, uh, they're going to have to do something at that position, but whether or not you just I think what they do is, and I have nothing against Marvin Harrison, but you draft a quarterback and you sign somebody like Jacoby Brissett, who can be a veteran in the room, who can start. He's a serviceable quarterback. Are you going to win the Super Bowl? Probably not, but he is serviceable. He can, he's a professional. He can execute what you want to have executed. And he's familiar with the Patriot system. So you do that, and you've got to sign until the young guy is ready to go. And if it means he sits and watches for a year, that's what he does. And, uh, that's my thought on it. What you don't want to do, Sherm, is throw first-round draft choice to the world. Yeah. 
I agree. Look, look what happened with the guy with the Jets, Wilson. Right. You know, he was a high draft choice. And, you know, I mean, he's gone nowhere. Who's the guy the 49ers traded up for out of uh, North Dakota State? Yeah, Trey Lance. Trey Lance, yeah. So they draft him, what, second overall, I think it was? or And who's their quarterback now? The last guy picked in the draft. It's scary to pick a quarterback up top. Yeah, Purdy was the last guy, yeah. yeah well, go back to Brady. I mean, come on. You know, he, he, he was deep in the draft. So, I mean, just it, yeah, they're going after the first guy that, that you know, is being touted. There again, you're, you're, you're falling into that trap of paying the guy big money and then having to – get to get something out of him and and i'm not really sold on many of these quarterbacks coming out to be honest with you we'll shift gears to the baseball Roger, have you been supplying the dodgers with all that money to keep buying all these guys you wonder where they come up with the money and the red sox don't have a nickel to spend how how is that possible tv money it's tv yeah. money the red sox said they didn't have enough to 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 get that Teoscar hernandez guy the Dodgers signed like five big time free agents and then they signed him. Like what the hell's going on? I, you know, I, I, I think that's the one thing about major league baseball that uh, it is frustrating to see teams that, that should be doing something kind of just tread and water like the, like the Red Sox. And then the Dodgers are going for broke like the old Yankees used to. And all they're doing yeah. is deferring it. Like, yeah, like yeah. Shohei's getting like uh I don't know, something like three million or something next year. It's all deferred money. The thing that gets me about what went on with the Dodgers, I mean, over a billion dollars, and and I know it's their money to do something with and to invest in uh, whatever they're looking for. Obviously, a, a, a World Series, but the guy I feel bad for is Dave Roberts because he, you know if he doesn't pull it out this year with all the talent they've got, he's probably the man on the hot seat to go out the door. Sure, you should win it. Um, feel I, you know, I'll take the I, job. I'll fill out that lineup card again, though. But see, there you, you got so much money you've invested. You, but it's just like you've invested the money. You're, you're. I don't even know what the ownership group is there in in Los Angeles. But you know, in the old days, uh, you know, we had Steinbrenner with New York, and if a player didn't pan out, he was gone. You know, and and even even going back to the Patriots. You know, if anybody was demanding too much money and Bill Belichick didn't think they were worth it, see ya, there's the door. And and I think that that <laughs> philosophy takes a lot of what they're doing now, takes a lot of power away from the coaching staff for the managers because they could just tell them, hey, stick it. I'm here, man. You're, you're stuck with me. So John Henry comes up to you, coach, and says, here, here's a bunch of money. Go out and buy me some players. Who would be the first or first two or three guys that you go out and pick off the free agent list right now that they're still available. I would look at Jordan Montgomery. Now he, as far as I know, he has not resigned with Texas. Roger, has he? Uh, not that I'm aware of. Yeah. I would get him. He's the best pitcher available. I think I like him better than Blake Snell only because Blake Snell can give you five innings, but he doesn't really hit after that. Uh, Montgomery will eat some, eat a bunch of innings. He's a, he's a lefty. Uh, I think he's the best out there right now. 
But, you know, John Henry's not going to give anybody money because they've got too many other outside interests. That's my my feeling. My feeling is the Red Sox are not primary. The Red Sox are second, third, fourth, wherever. I mean, he's got so many. They've got the Fenway Sports Group has so many irons in the fire. All he figures is that people are going to want to come to Fenway and they'll he'll get his money. Well, it, it makes it hard as a fan of baseball in general. I like to, to see good games. And, and I, and I, I'm a Dodger fan. I have to admit, Roger, I, I enjoy watching the Dodgers with all that talent, but I just, I, it's the balance isn't there when they're playing, uh, I don't know, uh, again, the pirates or somebody like that, that just say, there's no, there's no contest here. Should I even be wasting my time? And, and I think that's one thing major league baseball is kind of like, you know, just letting it happen. So whether you know, you, yeah, they've done a poor job with that for sure. Yeah, I mean the balance. Is, uh, the NFL has been big on parity for all those years, and <clears throat> baseball's not uh, just not set up that way, you yeah. know. And it would be nice if they could guarantee contracts like the NFL does and cut you, yeah. you know, because yeah. then you'd have to perform or you're out of town. Yeah. But that ain't going to happen. So I want to shift gears to schoolboy and schoolgirl basketball. Um, Roger, uh, right now I said, I would say the two dominant teams for the boys are Pinkerton and Bedford. Um, uh, they just, they've got, uh, Pinkerton's got that beast, uh, Marshall's he's, this kid can't stop him. And, uh, Bedford, well, well, uh, oiled team, uh, you know, they're well, well oiled machine, uh, with the Sodans. And, uh, so what, what, what's your take on what's happened so far? I would agree, Sherman. It looks like it's going to be those two teams. And, you know, I'd be surprised if, uh, frankly, I'd be surprised if he, he, they, they don't play for the championship. <clears throat> but I'd be shocked if one of the two doesn't win the championship, uh, particularly because maybe the third best team, excuse me, in the eyes of many was Nashua North or is Nashua North. And they've lost four in a row. So they're four and four. So, you know, it's, yeah, it does seem like it's Pinkerton and Bedford in some order. And uh, there's a wide gap perhaps between those two and everybody else. Yeah, I, I, I have to thank the coach right now. He filled in for me for uh, the Pinkerton game. Uh, <laughs> that was one thing I got, th- three things I got for Christmas. I got socks, underwear, and pneumonia. <laughs> so. I, I was I was a sick puppy during Christmas the break and uh, I kind of limped through the holidays. But anyway, uh, coach got to see this Marshall kid in the Pinkerton Astros play the Blue Hawks, and they almost scored a hundred points. And I was I was sitting there watching on TV that night, going, "Please don't let them score a hundred, please." Ninety eight, I think was. No, <laughs> I will say I think I really think Pinkerton. The guy has done a phenomenal job. The big guy. He knows how to play big inside, but he also can go to the three-point line and stick it. Mm-hmm. Marshall, but he's one of the best three-point shooters in the state. One of the things that, yeah, he's a tough player. I mean, he knows how to get position. He knows how to do it without fouling. And uh, the other thing is the supporting cast. Holy mackerel. Those guys were draining threes all all game long. 
So if you double up on, if you front and play behind Marshall, and I know uh, Coach Holmes tried to front him with his six seven kid. Marshall basically just knocked him out of the way. I mean, the kid, the kid is a, as a freshman, I believe, or a sophomore, and he. Marshall's a senior, and you can tell he's been through the war. And uh, but boy, the supporting pack—they just didn't miss from three-point land. So if you double up inside on him, they'll play his own, and they hit that, and they're patient enough to win and hit the open player. They just stick it. You have to defend the big guy, but also defend the three-point line, and that's really difficult to do in high school basketball. Yeah. I mean, you've seen him, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I, the, the thing with him is he, he can come out beyond the three-point line, and, you know, then what do you do? Do you bring a big guy out to try and guard him? Because that ain't going to work. And then you right. got no rim protector. Um, so he's very unique, you know, and he's not just a six-foot-seven uh, 210 pound kid, you know what I mean? He's, he's very thick. Uh, you're not going to move him once he gets position. So he's, you know, he's that inside outside threat. And he's not just a, I've seen him probably play 10 times and he's, he's not just a, you know, a good three point shooter. He's, he's as good as pretty much anybody I know out there this year at shooting it. Um, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm, I'm, pretty sure he's going to end up as the program's all-time leading scorer um and yeah i don't know you know especially in this day and age at the high school ranks you don't see many uh big interior players they're all off to uh um prep schools usually how big is he how, how, how big a kid is he he's a legit six seven two six ish yeah. maybe yeah yeah, he's 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 a lot of beef out there, and I, and that's yeah. the type of player that you know. I, I wish the Blue Hawks could come up with one like that. I mean, we're trying, and uh, I, I got to see them play the Bedford Bulldogs, and Luke Soden. Uh, it was it was his game all the way, uh, especially in the first half. And uh, Jeff Holmes had some of the guys keying in on him in the second half, but just uh, the other players all stepped up. So, from what I've seen. Those are the two teams. It'll be interesting to see how they set the brackets up so that that could happen or should happen uh, at this point. You know, somebody else might come out of the woodwork, and I'm not downplaying anybody else in the in the league. I mean, you know, Portsmouth is there, our Blue Hawks are there. Uh, it just it's you know it's it, and you said Nashua North uh, was supposed to be there, and they're kind of fluttering right in, in the middle pack now. So we'll see. Uh, Nashua South. Uh, you know that that's the surprise team for me. I think at this point. Yeah, yeah, they're they're doing well. I just I just don't think it's it's kind of like the football season. You got one or two that are significantly better than everybody else. I think. Now shifting to the girls, uh, coach, you've seen a few teams already. Uh, Bedford, Pinkerton, again, they're leading the pack for the ladies. Uh, London Dairy, they're a six and zero right now, and uh, you got Goffstown and Wyndham right right back there too. Wyndham for the boys is another one. I think it'll be a, a one to watch too. I was impressed when we played them. Uh, but for the girls, coach, let's get back to that. Any anything you've seen in in the league so far that impresses you, or you're looking forward to seeing? I did see London Dairy in the opener. The other two games, 
uh, were away, so I did not see them. Uh, I'll be interested to see Portsmouth comes in next week. They're supposed to be one of the contenders uh, because they have so many girls that have been varsity starters for basically three years. Uh, so it would be interesting to see them. They played Nashua North, and boy, the Blue Hawks, that might have been the best game that I've seen at home. They played very well. Uh, sure, they had some turnovers and some missed shots. Every high school game is going to feature that. But boy, uh, Coach Rogers had them moving and gelling in the right direction last night. They played really well and ended up beating North by he's close to 30. Wow. Wow. Well, that's good and, to see. Yeah, and they uh, – and North wasn't bad, you know. And what happened – I didn't think they were bad. Central West in girls basketball, that coach could be coach of the year. I don't know uh, if you know him, Roger, but he has my vote. He did not have a lot of talent. And he, through coaching and patience and changing things up, got them they ended up losing by four points, but they had no business even being in the game. Yeah, it's Mike Winters. He's been there for a while, and you're you're the second or third person that's told me that he's he's taken a, a very shallow talent pool and really gotten the most out of it. And that may not mean a lot of victories, but at least competitive games where. I don't think a lot of people thought that even that was going to happen this year. The only thing I didn't understand, Roger, and again, uh, this is on the boys' side of things. Um, the Blue Hawks had nine days off from that Bedford game uh, before they play three on the road. Uh, I don't know who, who put the schedule together, but it was like I'm thinking to myself, "Wow, this is this is bizarre." We don't play our next home game until the 31st. Um, Let's look at the schedule here. I've just got to pull it up in front of me. So we played Bedford on the 10th. Uh, then coming up, we got Winnicott, Nashville South, and Portsmouth, all three on the road. And again, home on the 31st against uh, Trinity Pioneers. Uh, nine days off, and it wasn't a vacation. So what? can you figure out why that happened? I have a, I have a thought. I don't mean to interrupt, but I believe – Back in the day, that was a break for exams. Oh, okay. Because they didn't want to schedule games during an exam period. Okay. And now a lot of schools are doing away with those exams. And uh, I believe Exeter has. And so I, I think that could be a reason why. Okay, that makes sense. I just throw that out. Gentlemen, two-minute drill time. Um Anything on the on the menu for you uh, that you want to throw out there, Raj? Yes. Uh, I have, uh, from the sh shameless self-promotion standpoint, I put together a uh, high school football, calling it a winter passing camp. 
It's for quarterbacks, running backs, tight ends, receivers. Uh, February 10th, which I think is the day before the Super Bowl. It's a Saturday, and it's at the New Hampshire Sports Dome in Hooksit. Uh, and you can uh, register if you're interested or get more information on the New Hampshire football report or go to uh, negridiron.com, New England Gridiron, and uh, register there. Um, just seems like we, you know, I had a lot of coaches say that the kids here in New Hampshire don't do as much in the off season as they do even in the other New England states. So um, trying to put some put some events together and um, see how it goes. So far, registration has been very, very good, very strong. What are the ages of uh, athletes you're looking to draw from for that football camp? It's it's for all high school kids. So grades nine through 12 currently in those grades. And uh, you don't got to be a superstar. You know, I got Trevor Knight, the old UNH quarterback. I shouldn't say old, I should say former uh, UNH quarterback uh, to work with the QBs and I get the best high school, co- uh, some college coaches, but definitely high school coaches I can to work with the other positions. Um, yeah, it's just two hours uh, and um, just to prove your game. And, um, you know, again, it's, it's, it's something that this is not, uh, you go to Massachusetts and they, they play you know, games indoors, passing camps every week, twice, twice a week, a lot of teams. And there's really not much here. Um, so just trying to give them something to uh, stay sharp and, you know, prove their game. I see, uh, you know, I see a lot of these teams, especially the smaller schools, they struggle in the passing game. And um, I've been very impressed with quarterbacks that Trevor has worked with in the past. So I have a question you can ask Trevor. And, and, and it would be nice to have him come on the show sometime. I, I'm just curious if the transfer portal had existed when he was with UNH and he was a successful quarterback. Sure. Player of the year would, in the conference. Would he have taken the chance to go somewhere else like Max, Max Prosmer did? I will ask him that Sherman. I will report please, back. Please do. Please well, do. The other thing you gotta, you gotta remember is it's not just the back then you, it's not just the opportunity to transfer, but you're getting a lot of money not true. to transfer in a lot of cases. You know, um, if the, what you read about Brosmer is true, it's just short of a million dollars. So. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot of dough. A lot of dough. Coach, <laughs> I, have, I, I haven't been avoiding you. Your two minute drill. The Lady Blue Hawks played a game against Nashua North in front of not many people. What I, my two minute drill would be, I encourage people to come out and watch these high school athletes play. Amen. Because number one, they're playing because of the love of the sport. Right. They're not being paid big bucks and they're not entering into any transfer portal. Right. And they're playing because they enjoy playing. You know, hopefully that game is is a stepping stone and they're going to continue to get better and better and better. And I know as a former coach, that's what you hope happens. And I'm sure Coach Rogers feels the same way. I I think if I could just chime in, I've noticed this as a trend last couple years that attendance, I won't say all sports, but a lot of them at least, uh, way down. 
you know, the football crowds, and I'm not just talking Exeter here. I'm just talking games I've been to throughout the state. Um, just not what they used to be even three, four years ago or prior to COVID, I guess you'd say. Um, but basketball and football particularly, um, just not that community spirit, I guess, in a lot of places that uh, you'd hope for. And I never understood it on a Friday, whether it be a football game or a basketball game or even baseball, you know, two hours, uh, dinner before or after, whatever you want to do. It's not like it ruins your night. You know what I mean? You right. go to a, you go to an extra basketball game and still got plenty of time to do what you want to do with your significant other afterwards. Right, right. They start the games earlier now. That's another thing they have started, uh, at least the boys' games. I'm, I'm assuming the same with the girls. The, the, the tentative time to start is 6.30 if everything goes as planned with yeah, the uh, JV games. 90-minute games, games, give or take, you know? Yeah, yeah that's all it is. And, yeah. and, it, and it's, it's a lot of fun. It's, you know, you, you sometimes you have to sit on the edge of your seat seeing how it's going to all turn yes. out. And, uh, it, it, you know, it's a chess match between two good coaches usually. So, you know, this is why I agree with you, coach. Get get out there. And while we're on the subject of coaches, I'm going to, uh, uh, for my two-minute drill, first off, thanks thanks to Lady Luck for a chance to go see what turned out to be Bill Belichick's final game as the, the head coach of the Patriots and, and a chance to see the GOAT. Coach, this is more towards you, you because you're – you're you're in my age group. Can you remember the the list of coaches for the Patriots? The first coach, remember who it was? I don't remember. Lou Saban. We, we, Lou Saban. Okay. Yeah, no relation to, to Nick. With... They were cousins allegedly, yeah. but not really. Um, and then he uh, he uh, started with the team, but didn't uh, didn't finish the the season off. It became Mike Hollaback, who who was with mm-hmm. him for seven years. And then Clive Rush, he was there for a season. John Mazur, he was there for on and off of about a year and a half. Then Phil Bankston, he had been with the Green Bay Packers, and somehow they brought Green him Bay in. Packers. Yeah, and then they brought him in. And then, of course, everybody will remember Chuck Fairbanks, <laughs> who, who, who double dealt the, the team ownership. Billy Sullivan, he had signed a contract to go to coach at uh, Colorado, back to the college ranks, and uh, – we were in a playoff situation there and he actually Billy Sullivan suspended him for the rest of the season. Once he found out that they had a backdoor contract to go back to college to Colorado, but because of the playoff game, he let him come back to, to coach that. And of course it went nowhere that season either. Then it was Ron Earhart, Ron Meyer, Raymond Berry. <laughs> he was there for five years. Rod Rust was there for a cup of coffee. He was a defensive coordinator. They gave a shot to and uh, anybody remember Dick McPherson from Syracuse? I do. Yeah. Dick McPherson. You know what? I took a coaching football class with him at UMass. He was one of the most decent people. And you know, he, he, he just, when he took that job, you were almost feeling bad for him because at that point it was a stinko team. And just, you know, he, you know, he wasn't going to be there long, but he was a nice man. Good, good man. And he knew, he knew college ball for sure. You know? And then of course, he begat Bill the Tuna Parcells. <laughs> and that was a tumultuous three years. And, of course, the team was going through all sorts of shenanigans with the Sullivans losing control and, and uh, Orthwine coming in to take over at the last minute. And it uh, got ugly there for a while. And, and, and Bill Parcells, he left primarily because they wanted to take 
the general manager's job away from him. And the famous, if you can't buy the groceries, you know, so he, he left and then Pete Carroll came in uh, for a couple of years and uh, then 24 years, Bill Belichick. Wow. Well, good luck to Gerard Mayo. I, 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 again, back to what we were saying earlier, it's a different game. It's evolved. Uh, whether it's evolves or Roger, you said it was devolving. <laughs> College game certainly is, you know. Yeah, well, there's so many things that there's so many factors now that it, having seen it from the inside of the college level for the last few years, it is. It's a different game and a different mindset for the players coming into the NFL. So I'm kind of happy that Belichick left on his own accord. I mean, yeah, that was amicable and all that, but. Uh, uh, he'll he'll turn up somewhere. He'll he'll go. He'll he'll take Shula's record out, and he will go in the Hall of Fame on the first ballot as the greatest of all time. So, and and all I can say is, I'll never see another coach like that in my lifetime, or a player like Brady in my lifetime. And I think we all three can agree. Maybe Roger, you're a younger guy. Maybe it'll happen in your lifetime. But Coach, you and I have been lucky. <laughs> yeah, we have. I know we've still got playoffs going. Uh, but uh, right now, if you were, if, if the season ended today, who, who do you want in the Super Bowl, Roger? Who do I want? Yeah. I think I want Buffalo and Detroit. Okay. Because that would be those fan bases. Oh, geez. They would go nuts. Somebody said the world would end. What about you, coach? If you, if it was going to end today, what two teams would you like to see in the, in the Super Bowl? Uh, I'd like to see the 49ers and uh, Baltimore. I'd like to see that game, a rematch of those two teams in the Super Bowl. Uh, I don't think the 49ers played particularly well when they lost to them earlier, and I'd like to see that again. So I, I would agree with Roger on that one. I, I have to agree with with Roger. I'm, that's the one matchup I'd like to see. I mean, we still got a ways to go, but uh, and, and next time around, we will make our official pick once once it's locked in. But I'll, I'm going to go with the Bills versus Detroit. That would be a fun fun matchup. I know the networks would hate it. Well, gentlemen, I'll uh, I'll close it out today. But we'll uh, we'll check back probably around the Super Bowl and uh, see uh, see who's going to be in there. And uh, we've, we've we've prognosticated. We'll see how it goes, and we'll also see where. Bill Belichick winds up, I'm sure, in the next couple of weeks. And the draft is coming up soon, too. So we'll hit on all those. Sure. Yes, sir. Keep your eye on the Atlanta Falcons. Okay. Because that's where I think he's going. All right. Well, that, that, and, and, uh, I, Roger, you got a pick Are you on where he's, he's going to turn out? You know, there's Patriot uh, personnel in the front office in Atlanta. So I, I wouldn't be surprised. It's just that there's no, real pop in Atlanta, you know, though, you know, it's so sterile, the indoor environment, and yada, yada. I actually would like him to coach the commanders now. Uh, I, I'd like him to go there because that's, that's a franchise with some history. Recent history hasn't been good, but uh, I'd rather see him there than Atlanta. To me, Atlanta's just like, uh, there's, yeah, you know, I don't know. It's like Kansas City of baseball, you know, in a lot of ways. Well, that about does it, gentlemen. So on behalf of Roger Brown from the New Hampshire Football Report.com, New Hampshire Hardball.com, and the 603 Sports Podcast and the Union Leader, and for Coach Bill Taylor, this is Sherm Chester inviting you to join us for the next edition of the Seco Sports Forum Podcast.